0: The Metal Mentality Podcast is brought to you in partnership with AM300 and The Phoenix Project. For more information on both, check out am300.com metal. It's time for you to be the you that you know you can be and to find your metal. My name is Preston Yule and I'm the host of the Metal Mentality Podcast. I'm a husband, a father, and American soldier. What is metal? It's your strength of character that you rely on to endure hardship. It's your grit. Together we'll learn from some dedicated, passionate, metal-minded individuals who define themselves by their grit and their graduation from suffering. Be metal. Stay metal. You're listening to the Metal Mentality Podcast. Now, here's your host, Preston Ewell. Hey everyone, welcome to the show today. Man, I'm so excited for this episode, this interview for y'all to hear. My guest today is a remarkable human being. He is a professional snowboarder. He's currently ranked 20th in the world in the halfpipe. He's an Olympic hopeful. He's a member of the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Team. This episode of Mental Mentality is pretty cool. We talked about some really interesting things with my guest today. We talk about uh, having a, how your health and having a holistic approach to that is beneficial, not only to yourself mentally, physically, um, emotionally, but also spiritually. We talk about discipline and the importance of having mentors, as well as the resiliency and the similarity between professional athletes, members of the military, and how those things apply to regular everyday life. The principles are universally true. We also address this quarantine issue, how we're all affected by this virus and how we can use this as an opportunity for growth uh, and how stillness will help us readjust our priorities. We also are going to talk about perfectionism and why it's based on perception as well as preference for what we want to see. We talk about being perfect is really just being authentic. We're going to talk about how your mistakes are your classroom and how we need to use our mistakes to grow. One of the most impactful things that our, my guest today shares is embracing adversity and how that is where you will learn the most is when you embrace your adversity. So with that being said. I'm going to introduce you to my guest today. My guest today is Lucas Foster. Lucas Foster is currently ranked 20th in the world in the snowboard halfpipe. He is a member of the U.S. ski and snowboard team and an Olympic hopeful. And someday, I believe, he's going to win a gold medal, and you will hear his story here. And I hope that when he does make it to the Olympics, you are rooting for him just as much as I am. Lucas, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, man. How are you? hanging in there. I just, this quarantine has been tough. We were just talking that having my kids do school from home and not being able to go anywhere has definitely put a challenge to things in ways that we've have never been, has been done before. So how are you doing yeah. with all of this?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, not a whole lot going on on my end. I'm just getting home kind of from a really long winter. So it's kind of nice timing for me since I get to rest and just kind of yeah catch up on much needed time off I guess but uh it's definitely different like there's a lot of things that I would do every day that you kind of can't do right now obviously due to the lockdowns but uh yeah I think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of opportunity in this too while we are sitting at home there's plenty of stuff we can do we just kind of got to dig deep so um it'll be hard at first I think but I think we can all find some positives in it down the road. So,
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. The, the initial start of all of this is really rough um, because it's, our way of life has totally changed. But I think yeah. we're into a routine of things um, and find out, oh, I don't have to be out and about to still enjoy life. Uh, it's going to help us maybe refocus on our priorities. Totally. So well, let's talk a little bit about you growing up. Uh, before you have um kind of had the success that you've had when you're not snowboarding when you're not out doing insane stuff on half pipes and coming down the mountain a million miles an hour tell me about you who are you outside of the professional athlete
1: yeah outside of snowboarding I'd say well I guess being a snowboarder led me into a lot of other things so um due to snowboarding I'm super into kind of passing down knowledge and that's kind of led me into teaching skateboarding whenever I'm not snowboarding so in the summer that's kind of what I spend my time doing and uh, yeah I like teaching kids I like being a mentor in any way shape or form um, I'm super into kind of entrepreneurship and like creating things and kind of learning how I can uh, just become better every day whether that's in creating stuff in business um or just becoming a healthier person physically or mentally um I'm kind of that's what i'm into is just like making myself better and happier and trying to make the world a better place um
0: that's why i think you're going to be the, the perfect guest for this show is this yes. show about, about personal growth and development and enduring hardship and using difficult times to propel us to uh, as a catalyst to become better individually yeah. and collectively as is, as is, a group of people For sure and, uh virus and this quarantine that many of us are experiencing is um really gonna force us to have that opportunity I think uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your 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 health and your training. I know that you have a very um pretty rigorous training schedule and and diet, and tell me a little bit about that,
1: yeah, I mean. I don't know if I'd say it's rigorous necessarily, but, uh, like as far as my off snow training goes, um, I do the usual stuff that most athletes do, you know, go to the gym and stretch and eat well. But, uh, my, my whole background comes from, um, a guy named Paul check who, um, he's a total legend in health and wellness. And he kind of pioneered, um, he kind of pioneered uh, functional exercise, I guess you could say. And uh, he has this institute in San Diego where people will go and learn from Paul and learn all the stuff that he kind of has created in the health and wellness industry and, you know, diet lifestyle stuff and how that plays into your physical strength and your mental strength and your, um, and all that. So my trainer here in Telluride went to Paul and learned everything from him. So you know, that would take a whole nother podcast to explain really like how all the check stuff uh, benefits my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, in the summertime, I spent a lot of time going to the gym and just uh, also a lot of time just kind of fixing imbalances in my body that comes first. So like, you know, the start of the summer is always about, you know, looking at my body, my flexibility, my alignment, making sure I'm, fixing any imbalances that I have. And then I build strength on top of that. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff, but yeah, diet is huge too, you know, doubling down on certain foods, staying away from certain foods. But
0: um, do you double down on what do you avoid and why do you do that?
1: I avoid eating gluten as much as possible because gluten just makes my body feel horrible. I just pretty much get super inflamed anytime I eat gluten. Um, unless it's like over in Europe, cause they're, uh their grains over there their wheat uh less processed than it is over here um so yeah i avoid gluten i eat a lot of vegetables obviously try to eat as much organic food as possible organic non gmo um i don't really eat much dairy and try to stay away from refined sugars as much as possible so you know i wouldn't say i stick to a certain diet i kind of learn how to listen to my body and learn how uh, or learn what foods my body needs based off of certain cues that my body will give me Mm
0: -hmm. Um, a protein or did you you avoid meats or what's your relationship with no
1: you know it's on and off I guess Um, sometimes I can kind of really feel when my body has had too much meat or too much fat I guess Um, that's kind of when I'm feeling super sluggish and kind of just clouded mentally too and especially if my if I feel my body is working too hard to digest then that's kind of when I can look at my diet in the last few days and be like all right I've had um, a lot of red meat or a lot of uh, you know certain fats that you know you got to balance everything Mm -hmm. so in those in those cases I'll you know maybe cut out eating a huge breakfast in the morning. Like sometimes I'll be eating uh, two eggs and sausage with MCT oil. So it'll be really high in protein, really high in fat. Then I'll kind of transition into the mornings, you know, eating like some apples with almond butter and banana and, uh, you know, more carb based, I guess, because you kind of got to have a good balance of Mm. carbs and regular sugars that aren't, you know candy sugar obviously like fruit sugar um
0: so you gotta get your fructose is a little bit different than um yeah right
1: (laughs) yeah totally like you kind of gotta the way i look at it and the way paul check would explain it is eating eyes versus no eyes so if the food that you're eating has eyes like any animal product um you gotta balance eyes and no eyes so fruits and vegetables are no eyes Mm. um, you know, fats coming from a cow or pigs. That's, that's an eyes food. You got to balance it equally and understand when your body needs eyes versus no eyes. That's kind of a certain way you can look at it.
0: How how does that play into your overall wellness? The diet obviously, what we eat affects us, right? But how does that help? Oh yeah. And, um, how, how, just how what relate? How does that affect your relationship with yourself, and your personal development and your growth?
1: It's everything, man. I mean, I really what you eat. Obviously, as you said, it's your feel for the day. But um, you know, the way we experience this world is through our bodies, and you know, it's your vehicle to move through the world and move through your life. And if your vehicle is being fueled by terrible gas that's just gonna crap out on you then you know your life is obviously gonna be pretty hard so like my relationship with food is like it determines my physical well-being for the day and how my body feels and like you know if you really want to get deep in the science of it what we eat is how our minds are gonna think and stuff throughout the day and uh again that would take a whole nother podcast to explain how how our food plays into our mental, emotional, spiritual lives. But uh yeah, I mean food is sacred for sure. And you gotta really like have a good relationship with your diet. And it sounds because like some people just look at food as like, Oh, you're just, you know, getting rid of your hunger for the day. But it's it's a lot deeper than that, I think.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. I, I love food and I, I love gluten and carbs. That's like my downfall. I breads are my, yeah. f- and I imagine if I was more structured in my eating that um, I probably be doing a lot better emotionally. And yeah. Well, maybe I should start doing that. This is probably the perfect time to do that because my patience gets pretty thin, you know, with my mm-hmm. <laughs> being home all this time. So. And
1: it's, it's totally normal too. Like I love eating bread also. Um, hmm. You just kind of like for me, I love balling out and having some junk here and there, but you know, it's just all about understanding how that'll affect you and um, it just takes discipline and stuff. So it's totally normal to like have uh, urges, I guess, but you know, a lot of people too like with the diet and like choosing to eat healthy, a lot of people kind of get it twisted with like, Oh, you're doing that just for your snowboarding. And like, you know, that's such a jock move. But for me, the, the diet piece is like, just for my simple well-being it has, you know my snowboarding benefits indirectly due to just eating well but uh, whether I was a snowboarder or a skateboarder or like you know it wouldn't matter what I would be doing I'll always care about how I'm eating and stuff so just want to make that clear too that you know choosing to keep my body healthy and keep my mind healthy really way past snowboarding and skateboarding it's all like I said living life Um, through my body and wanting to live my life, you know, as well as I can.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's impressive that with the discipline that you have. So outside of your, your diet discipline, what other ways do you instill discipline in your life that allows you to be successful and to grow?
1: Man, that's a good question. I mean, it's a struggle to be honest, always. I think it is, everyone goes through some sort of struggle when it comes to discipline. Um, But for me, like I have a lot of good mentors in my life that, Remind me that you gotta be disciplined at all times, and like, you know, you can talk about your dreams all you want, and you can kind of manifest your dreams all you want through, you know, law of attraction practices and stuff. But like, you're never really gonna make any progress with those dreams if you don't back up your, uh, your beliefs with your actions. That's kind of something that I, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. Is like, you know, I can talk about wanting to be an Olympian all day, but that doesn't mean anything unless I'm doing things that align with what I say. So that's kind of like the dangling fruit over me always like, Hey, like you got to keep uh, walking your talk. You can't just sit there and talk about wanting to do this and that having mentors though. That's been a big thing. Like people in my life that just remind me what I'm doing and why I do it. And uh, yeah,
0: I think, it's really hard to be successful in life without having good mentors. Um, yeah. nobody can do this. We can't have the level of success that we want and be the type of people that we want to be without having someone to help us. And, and mm-hmm. this, that's the whole purpose kind of what this shows, I'm trying to create a, a community of networks or network of, uh, mentors for people to say, Hey, well, I really like his message or I like this so they can pull bits and pieces of this to change their lives and, uh, and mm-hmm. themselves. And, and and make yeah. what happen happen. You know what I mean. And so, totally. were some of the mentors in your life that have gotten you to, who have instilled this discipline and help you stay grounded?
1: Um, I mean, definitely my mom and dad. Those are like my earliest mentors, obviously, since they brought me into this world. My dad, like, he's a super laid back, chill guy, which is great, and I need that in my life because I'm pretty fired up and competitive. So it's nice to have him kind of remind me that life isn't all about proving what you got and stuff. And you can still live a happy life without trying to be the best (laughs) because, as I said, I'm super competitive. Um, So, you know, he's a mentor in that regard. And, you know, he's the person that got me on a snowboard in the first place. So, you know. I guess I have mentors for different things in life. You know, my mom is a huge mentor in my life for the discipline piece. Cause you know, she's a very organized, super like well-planned out person. And uh, everything's got to kind of be done in a certain way with her. So she's taught me really how to, you know, have the same thing in my life, you know, be, be organized, have expectations for myself, you know, meet those expectations always, whether you're snowboarding, whether you're cleaning the house, whether you're um, teaching a kid how to skate, like, you know, so she's been huge for that. And then one of the biggest ones for just my snowboard career and also just my teaching me about health and wellness would be my trainer, Jason Cannon. He's like, he was a pro snowboarder in the nineties and he's the guy that, um, the check trainer that I learned everything I know from. So, he's really taught me how to um, be aware of my diet and all that, and how that's playing a role in my mental, emotional life and my physical well being. And he's taken me to a lot of cool places to snowboard and really, like, he really took my whole life and dissected it and told me what I had to fix and what I had to double down on and cut away in my life to become the snowboarder I am and the person I am so I'd say those are the three big ones where my mom dad Jason and uh, there's so many more though Jesse is a mentor in a lot of ways my coach on the U.S. snowboard team JJ Thomas is a mentor for sure like he he's doing everything that I am dreaming of doing right now now you know he went to the Olympics he's won the X Games um, so there's a lot that I've learned from JJ. And, uh, yeah, tons of people.
0: I think having a mentor for different areas of your life is key because if you just have one mentor, Mm -hmm. you go to them for everything. They don't, they may have a superpower in one area or one ability, but they're not going to. Have the answer for everything, so I think that that's really key. And you, you say Jesse, a lot of the listeners know who exactly who you're talking about. He's the, the former guest I've had on, Jesse Stewart, and you're saying that he's been a mentor to you, and he's also been a mentor to me. He's actually the one that set this up so that you and I could have this conversation. Um, but he's, yeah. he has life experience, and uh, he goes the extra mile to help someone if he feels like he can help them, and it's really impressive. And that that's one of the things that I admire the most in him is giving everything you have to someone. If, if you ask for your help and you, and you feel like their cause is worthy. So I, that's, that's a, that's a goal of mine that I wish I'm striving to get to um, being able to give everything I have to someone when they need help.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. He's definitely helped me with that too. Just reminding me how as an athlete or like as um someone that's you know might be in the olympics someday like we you know all athletes we all have a responsibility to kind of um inspire the generation that comes after us whether we like it or not people are your kids are going to look up to us and we got to really like remember that we're being of service always um and we can either be of service in a positive way or a negative way so he's really reminded me then reminded a lot of my friends like, Hey, it's a lot more than winning a gold medal for you guys, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you're, you're so I a- we, we put professional athletes up on a pedestal, I think. Uh, and I know I did that as a kid when i growing up, I was a huge basketball fan and I live here in Utah. Mm-hmm. So naturally I was a Utah jazz fan, car Malone and John Stockton were gods to me and thankfully they they're fairly good people. So I didn't, I had good people to look up to. But and you' yeah. step into that role, and people are going to be looking at you in that way, I think what does it mean to you as, as representing our country uh, the, the possibility of going to the Olympics and also being uh, this uh, superhero to a lot of kids what, what does that mean to you, and what do you plan on doing with it after uh, this all this crazy ride comes to an end
1: um I mean, I think it's everything for me to be an inspiration to kids I mean going to the Olympics for sure is a lot like that's a big goal that I have it's not the only goal though and I know that after the Olympics passes there's going to be a lot more that I want to do in snowboarding and a lot more that I you know have in mind beyond the Olympics that's just kind of like a, a big stepping stone I'd say the ultimate goal yeah for me is just to inspire the youth and to kind of make snowboarding a better place. Not that it isn't already like snowboarding's my favorite thing ever. It's my favorite community. Um, and I love it to death, but, um, you know, that's all I really care to do is to, you know, come into snowboarding and leave it, um, more fun, more accessible for kids. And, uh, you know, I'd say that's like the biggest reason I want to go to the Olympics is just cause that's such a great way to kind of, um, get put on the, the world stage to do that type of thing. Like it's a lot easier to inspire millions of people and to make snowboarding seen by millions of people in the Olympics rather than posting clips on Instagram, you know? So um, I think it means everything to me for sure. And there is pressure. Definitely. Like you gotta, you gotta really be on your toes and make sure you're not doing or saying anything stupid when you're a pro athlete. Cause you got a lot of eyes on you um Like especially where I'm from, Telluride, it's a super small town, and everyone knows everyone there. So anything that you do, kind of, you know, gets put out there into the town. And so I'm used to like having all eyes on me, or you know, everyone in my town has all eyes on them because it's so small, like I just said. um So it's nothing like too new for me. I'm kind of used to to like having that quote pressure, I guess, but. Uh, I don't know. For me, it, it feels right to like do the right thing and to say the right things or like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to go behind anyone's back and do anything, um, to hide from the world. So I guess there's pressure, but it's not too bad. Um,
0: well, I think as long as you are being consistent and you are living a life of integrity, you don't have anything to hide. You shouldn't. At
1: yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I don't know for me, like, as I said, that's the main goal for me is to um, get more kids into snowboarding and to just be a mentor to more kids. So that's all I'm doing anyway, is just learning how to, you know, be a better person for, for the world. So.
0: That's incredible. What about us? We talk about getting kids, teaching them how to snowboard. Uh, how do you feel about teaching 35 year old adults, men to snowboard?
1: Yeah. That's- yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I actually teach a lot of parents how to skateboard. I, I don't really coach snowboarding much at all. Um, but I coach a ton of skateboarding. So if, if I taught a 35 year old how to snowboard, it would, it wouldn't be anything new for me. I mean, I, it'd be my pleasure. I mean, I taught Jesse Stewart how to snowboard and, he fell in love with it so that was really cool and the biggest thing for me is make snowboarding a more welcoming place and a more accessible sport because right now it's hard to get into snowboarding for a lot of people it's super expensive and it's intimidating too because you know you watch the x games and we're doing 1260s and 1440s in the half pipe and the crowd is like oh my god i'm never going to be able to do that i'm not even going to try to go snowboarding so um you know it's kind of like a mission to kind of change that and make it a little more like more welcoming i guess like i said less intimidating less like gymnastics like
0: that's pretty cool man i was really looking forward to that. was this weekend we were actually supposed to be meeting up together in um, winter park colorado for the, the event to work yeah. with the NSCD and veterans and with disabilities and stuff and uh mm-hmm. i was hoping that you'd give me a, a little lesson so i could you know get down the hill without falling at least but uh yeah
1: know- no that was that was gonna be awesome i'm it's a bummer that didn't work out
0: with us buyer stuff we're that's not going to happen, but I'm sure we'll have a chance in the future to do something like that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure how, so it's talking about the, the NSCD and, and veterans, how you do a lot of work with uh, the military and veterans, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely have done a little bit in the last year or so. Um, not a ton, but um, ever since I met Jesse, uh, he's kind of kept me in the loop and, he's always hit me up with opportunities to go meet veterans and kind of talk about what I do and for them to talk to me about what they do and how we can kind of um, share each other's knowledge or like use each other's knowledge to our power and stuff. And there's a lot of similarities between athletes and, uh, and veterans and, uh, but yeah, I got to go out to Fort Carson and talk to the veterans there and, uh, I went to in San Diego too, and uh, I've met some some cool people in the military through Jesse and uh, learned a lot about what they do, so well, it's talk. been a pleasure. There's a lot of
0: similarities between veterans and professional athletes. What are the similarities? What do you see as similar? Because I myself am a member of the military, and uh, – mm-hmm. I'm not a professional athlete, but I'm interested, just going kind to of hear your opinion on that. What, what similarities do you see?
1: Oh man, there's so many. I mean, what Jesse and I, like or the way Jesse compares us to people in the military is he, he says we're a lot like Rangers and um, I'd say the way that like, especially like in half pipe snowboarding, it's so technical and it's really precise and like everything has kind of got a line up super well with like the way you turn your snowboard and the way your body is built up and like it all, it's all about the little things being perfect in order to make the run come together. So like in a half pipe run, for example, like your drop in determines how they're like, where you drop in and how much speed you get when you drop in determines how much speed you're going to have for your run and how much and how high you're going to go out of the pipe. So it's like right off the bat, that little thing right there will play such a big role in your run. And it's the same thing with like with a mission. You know, that first that first objective in the mission, if it doesn't play out perfectly, then the next thing might fall through. And Jesse's always kind of like like I remember he showed us this last winter. He showed us like a full a full mission and like bear with me because I'm kind of I would need a refresh to really understand or really remember um, all the right words and stuff. But he, he pretty much told us it's the same thing in the military. Like if you're um, if you have a mission or an objective that's given to you, you need to like, like the little things or the big things.
0: You're talking about a mission for um, the, the military and all the planning that goes into it. Every yeah. piece is there every contingency is, is you can think of is going to be mitigated as much as possible and eliminate as many risks as possible. And there's a similarity between that and snowboarding. When you come in on the half pipe, the speed determines that right. And yeah. if everything's not planned, there's a domino effect.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If you're snowboarding, you're going to have one objective, right? It's score the highest score possible.
1: So yeah, like in snowboarding and, and the contests only though, like when we're just riding, the last thing we're thinking of is, doing the best or getting the best score. Um, but yeah, like when we're competing, the the whole goal is to complete your run and land it to the best of your ability. So the way we, especially in half pipe, and I guess in slope style too, which is the other discipline where it's jumps and rails, um, it's a lot like an operational order where there's a bunch of steps that go into play in order to achieve that goal or achieve that result. And it all kind of starts... Immediately, like with your drop in for example in the half pipe, where you drop in on the half pipe is going to determine how fast you're gonna go into your first hit and how big you're gonna go into your first hit um, so and your first hit really sets the tone for your whole run. so all those little things that go into you know your edging and your snowboarding, it all plays a role in your whole run and if that first hit gets messed up, it might screw up your fourth or your fifth hit or it might screw up your next hit. Um, So it's like one little thing always has to kind of come together. It's all about the little things. That's the way I look at it is the small things or the big things. And it's not really about just doing one thing perfectly. It's about, you know, kind of achieving excellence in your run. You know, the difference of excellence and success is excellence is doing every single little thing to the best of your ability, making everything as perfect as possible. And that's, You know you guys have to do every step in your objective order or operational order in order to you know for all you guys to come out safe and alive for us we got to do the same thing obviously we may not die but we might you know miss the podium or miss the final or um, you might
0: die i've seen you guys go off those half pipes man you land on your head game over like there is a a danger that is, is present. And, and both of these arenas that we're talking about. And one thing i have sure through in the, being in the military for almost 12 years now is nothing ever goes according to plan. And it, mm-hmm. it may not be the first step. It might not be the second, but there's always going to be something thrown in there that makes you have to readjust. And I'm sure that that happens. Yeah. snowboarding. So yeah, maybe you come in a little bit fast or, or too slow on your initial drop in, but that's still, you still have to adjust in that brief moment, Right and that the initial change from your plan isn't necessarily going to determine your outcome. So when you have yeah. your drop in, right. And say, everything's not right. Things are off. Something's off just a little bit. How do how do you make that adjustment mentally and then physically to say, okay, I can still do this. I can still be successful.
1: Um, I mean that all kind of boils down to like, your preparation I guess and your understanding that a lot of the time something might go wrong and uh, you know you might land a trick a little bit too deep in the half pipe or you might land a little bit on your heel edge or on the wrong edge and that'll screw up your next hit and uh, so you kind of just got to be like the way I look at it is you just got to be a really really good snowboarder outside of the half pipe because the best snowboarders are the ones that are able to kind of make decisions on the fly and like, oh, I accidentally under rotated this trick, but I know how to pump hard to the flat bottom. So I'm going to have enough speed to do this cab double cork. Um, So, I mean, there's the physical uh, side of like making corrections and being able to adjust. But then there's the mental side too. Some people, you know, if they take a crash in practice, it'll be really hard for them to get out of that. uh, You know, they'll get really scared from that mentally and then it'll affect their contest run because they're like oh i totally died on the front side 1080 in practice and i'm super that's all i'm thinking about now and then their contest run falls apart cuz they're stuck too far in the past so it's kind of just like all about staying present i th- i'd say and uh you know you got to be willing to go in any which direction you know you might land your run perfectly or you might totally blow it and uh You got to be able to um, move forward regardless, and you got to know how to move forward physically, and you got to know how to move forward mentally. Because you might have all the physical ability in the world to make adjustments, but if you can't mentally uh, keep it together, then you know, then your physical adjustments don't really matter at all.
0: The word that's coming to my mind as you're saying this is is resilience. You have to be resilient. And so, talking about military operations, we're talking snowboarding, um, but these these things we're talking about—it's this way for life too. The same principles to be successful and to grow and become the person that you want to be. Yeah, it's the same. They're universal truths, is what I've come to learn. That
1: totally. Yeah, I mean, we're going through it right now with the quarantine stuff and with the coronavirus. Like life changed super super fast for everybody around the world. And the ones that are going to really come out um, in a good place from this are the ones that are going to be able to kind of dig deep and take advantage of the adjustments that are like the the changes that the world has given us. The ones that are the most resilient, the ones that are able to make adjustments are the ones that are going to be able to get through this hard time because it's hard for everybody. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know anybody I mean, been affected by this. And if they are... Yeah it's going to hit them harder because eventually every one of us is going to suffer a little bit but i'm i 'm of the belief that we can't control the external things that affect our life, um, mm-hmm. but we can control the way that we, we react to them, and yeah our reaction will determine whether we grow from this experience or whether um, we deteriorate and fall apart individually and collectively as a whole how I totally. think we need to come together as a society, as a country, uh, to be, to use this as an opportunity for growth rather than to just uh, allow ourselves to be victims of the the circumstances that we're in.
1: Oh, man, I mean, I, I'd say it'll be different for everybody, but, like, every single person, um, they, every person has something in their life that, like, they haven't given much attention to. I know for me, there's a lot of things right now that, like, have kind of taken um, a backseat in my life because I'm so busy with snowboarding and with traveling and uh, doing all that stuff. So I'd say like the the biggest thing that we could all do as a community and as a world is just kind of get really quiet and still and like kind of dig deep emotionally and spiritually to really figure out like what what it is in our lives that deserve more attention and what what it is that we can uh kind of or like how can we grow in the next couple years because like you know we live in a world now that's like changing so fast and there's really nothing ever stopping you know what I mean like there's never any break in all the crazy cool stuff that's going on in this world and this right now is a huge break in entertainment in sports and Like, the Olympics just got postponed. Like, we're all pretty much being forced into this corner of complete quiet. And I think it's a perfect time for us to, you know, whether that's, like, learning how to meditate or learning how to, you know, take care of our bodies better or starting a new project that we've always wanted to do. Like, there's – like, the whole world is just taking a break right now. And I think it's a perfect time for everyone to just take a break themselves. And uh,
0: yeah, it's really forcing us to um, change our priorities and yeah. it, and our values, the things that we value. I think it's giving us time to reassess where we put value in things. And, and totally, it, it, that only can happen in stillness. I think if we're yeah. and we're worried about. Oh, I don't have 12,000 rolls of toilet paper. Like everybody, some people out there. Um,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We're not, we're not allowing ourselves to have that stillness. But I think that in that stillness, that moment where we reflect on, okay, what do I need to do? How can I grow?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's where we're going to find the ability to not only just overcome this, but to grow. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's so many people out there that like, we'll just benefit so much from kind of slowing down a lot. And uh, a lot of people out there, you know, me being one of them and pretty much all of us, like we all have more room for improvement as far as creating ourselves. And I think this is a perfect time. Like I know meditation has been a huge thing in my life. Um, and there's no better time to meditate right now, I think, than, than now because there's nothing else for us to do. We have to sit at home all day. And um, a lot of people, they can really create themselves through this whole um, situation. They can learn more about themselves. And I I know that I've learned the most about myself in the quietest of times. So I don't know. I kind of got lost there for a second, but I think you know what I mean. Like there's no better time right now to Mm -hmm. just totally quiet down and just, you know, I'd say it's a really good time right now too, for everyone to just connect with each other more and set aside like all these stupid things that we worry about like things that are separating us whether it's race or age or class or um your job like really all these things that separate us on a day-to-day life don't matter at all now because it doesn't matter if you're Kanye West or just some guy that works at a grocery store in Colorado like there's a virus out there that could kill you and you know, I'd say it's important for everyone to kind of come together and set aside differences. And uh, that's something that, you know, will probably happen through this whole, I mean, I've, I know I've seen it already and that'll be huge, you know, for some rich person that usually was disrespectful to servers or um, grocery store workers to just kind of, put their differences aside and like, you know, come together and be there for each other. Like that'll be huge.
0: Yeah. I think we just have to support each other. We have just to um, look out for one another. Well, we can, well we can still do that without being face to face and checking our neighbors, checking in on our family and our friends. And um, if we see someone struggling uh, or without, I guess going without, that's an opportunity for us to reach out to them and, um show them that they matter and that they're not alone yeah. for this and and offer this this assistance to them in the way that we can offer it and and yeah it, totally there's one word for that, and I think that that's just love we just have to love each other,
1: yeah, and exactly then there's no there's nothing you can do right now to like escape what's going on in the world, like every person is you know ordered to stay home. it doesn't matter if you're um you know,
0: it doesn't matter how much
1: you
0: get used to. Yeah. It's kind of a, the playing field has been leveled for life, I guess. Right. I don't know. Yeah. There's
1: no, there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut out of it. There's no easy way out. Like, and that's, that's going to be huge for just human beings to kind of, as I said, put their differences aside and just, you know, um, kind of all be in the same position and remember that like we're all human and we're all going to die someday and it's not going to matter how much money you have or what job you have or what kind of car you have. Like, you know, we're all going to end up battling this or going through the same things someday. So, um,
0: yeah, I agree. So I think that that's we're, we have or have an opportunity we've never had before to use this, have a catalyst for, to better ourselves, uh, this generation especially. And I think for yeah. this generation, it's very similar to what we uh, here's, history teaches us about during World War II and uh, the Great Depression and how they had to come together um, to fight a common enemy. And now that enemy is different than what we're seeing now. We can't even see our enemy with the naked eye, right? But totally, I think it's going to take the same level of commitment to each other um, to overcome this. It's just like our, yeah. our forefathers did. Mm-hmm. If we, history will look back on us and not say, well, we're the, the generation that fell apart and lost their minds because they were afraid of getting sick. But yeah. rather where the a generation of people who came together as, as one and purpose and, and lifted up each other and supported each other and overcame something that could have eliminated a huge population of the earth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another thing like that. Uh, you could totally touch on with, like, what are you going to do during this period? Like, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for us right now to do a lot of great things within ourselves. And, like, you know, I know for the younger generation, our kids will be asking us about this era someday. They'll, you know, 20, 30 years from now, they'll be asking us, like, what did you do during the coronavirus breakout when the world shut down for a month? Mm-hmm. or two, hopefully, hopefully it's only a month. Uh, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to, yeah. What are you going to tell your kids? Like, Oh, I
0: month we're manifesting it right now. It's not going to go longer than a
1: month. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah totally. It's We, um, how do we answer that?
1: Yeah. Like, are you gonna, you're either going to tell them, Oh, i watched like 300 Netflix videos or uh, TV shows and uh, did nothing or you can be like, Oh, I, um, uh, started this online business. Um, I started doing this online yoga class and I, um, you know, the list goes on. Like for me, like I'm taking a real estate class right now to get my real estate license. Just, just because like figured I might use that someday. And like, you know, I want to be able to tell my kids someday, like, Oh yeah, I got my real estate license. I, I, got a couple personal records in the gym like for certain olympic lifts and and, uh i got to snowboard in the backcountry a ton and film a backcountry video and that's something i've always wanted to do not saying that that's what i've done yet but like you know there's um so much opportunity for us right now to do a lot of great things through this whole coronavirus outbreak so
0: yeah absolutely
1: may as well make your story cool rather than boring and Filled
0: up netflix yeah i binged netflix for a month right it, so as you're talking about this uh it reminds me of um 9-11 and when 9-11 happened I, w- I was a junior in high school and i remember the moment that it happened when i found out about it. i walked into my geometry class in the morning the tv was on and there were people saying like oh the twin towers got hit by airplane and i was like why is this a big deal I didn't understand what was happening. And then uh, I went into the counselor's office shortly thereafter, and I watched the second plane hit. And I was like, oh, wow. And then we realized what it was. And I didn't realize at that moment how much that was going to shift, that that shift in society was going to affect my life. Um, That was one of the factors that led me to my career in the military right now. Um, I I wanted to be there for my country, wanted to support it. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that that was the reason why I joined, but everything, all these ingredients come together to make our lives, right? Just like when we're making a cake or something, yeah. Mm -hmm. if you don't have all of these ingredients, it's not going to turn out, it's going to turn out differently. And I think right now we, we are at that point where we get to define ourselves and define us as a generation, as a people. And it's, it's imperative that we are there for each other and we support each other. If your neighbor doesn't have any toilet paper, take them some toilet paper, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, don't take everything. We need to be there for each other. Uh, how, what, what does service mean to you and, and how does service work? How has that affected you changed you for better? Um, especially with the, on the platform that you're on now and there's opportunity you have to um, be in front of so many other people, How is service been a benefit in your life and what does that mean to you
1: um i mean service that's everything like what like like you can do a lot of great things in this world and stuff and achieve a lot of great things and you know like i could go win a Olympic gold medal or win the x games but like what good is that gold medal gonna do if you didn't uh make this world a better place in the process so for me like Um, you know you can look at music for example music has changed the lives of a lot of people and it's kind of like made a lot of people the people they are today like I know music for me at least it's been a huge role in my life and like you look at uh, famous musicians out there like Michael Jackson or whatever like they made tons of money and they won awards and stuff but they also changed the lives of a lot of people and that's why they're who they are. And that's kind of, I think, the greatest people in this world are the ones that are, you know, living their dream, but also just inspiring people and setting a good example for people. And then, like, it sounds like a cliche, but, like, um, I don't know. For me, like, snowboarding, there's so many things I want to do, but I don't want to just take, take, take from snowboarding. And I don't want to just take, take, take from life. I want to, you know, I have goals for myself that involve, like, winning certain things or, like, you know landing certain tricks but like the biggest goal for me is you know make the world a better place that's about as simple as it gets um snowboarding is just a way that like a platform that i use and i'm sure there's gonna be more platforms that i use down the road um but yeah i'd say if you're not if you're not being of service then you're kind of just being very selfish And I'd say if you're getting into certain businesses or like if your motivation is just to win a gold medal or like to win an award for filming a certain video part in snowboarding, then you're super selfish. Like, you know, you should want to go film that video part um, in that movie to, you know, of course, fulfill something you've always wanted to do, but also to get the little 10 year old at home watching that snowboard film. Excitement and inspiration. You should want to go win that Olympic gold medal to, you know, show the same thing, like to make that little kid in, uh, Minnesota want to learn how to snowboard. Um,
0: is that, is that your drive where your drive comes from to, to, uh, win a gold medal, let's say to inspire other people to be better?
1: I'd say so. I'd say the, the biggest thing for me, like wanting to win a gold medal in like the Olympics or in the X games or just a, a pro snowboard contest in general, yeah, it would be to like, kind of like, we didn't, we didn't talk about my background a ton yet, but like, I don't come from like a family with tons of money and like my, my parents weren't sending me around the world to go train in the half pipe and like paying $50,000 a year for like coaching and stuff. I kind of came from a very like simple, like, it's not like I had a terrible upbringing at all. Like I lived, I just lived a very normal life. I was a very normal kid, but I did this thing that like required a lot of, uh, a lot of money and like, you know, snowboarding is a very like, uh, I guess it's a very wealthy sport, Um, but I made it happen. I figured out ways to achieve this thing that did not seem possible at all growing up because again I was just a blue collar coming from a blue collar family and I just want to show the world and prove to kids like hey like it doesn't matter if you have adversity in your life or like obstacles you got to jump like you can do these things so that's I guess yeah it's my biggest motivation is to kind of like break that whole stigma of like oh if you're trying to be an Olympic snowboarder you're a rich kid that lives in Summit County that uh and your parents just send you around the world and you do online school i don't want that to be like the the label that snowboarders get if you compete i want it to go in a different direction where it's like oh yeah you can be a normal kid from telluride and not have a half pipe to ride in at all growing up and still go to the olympics and you know still be on the u.s snowboard team and uh achieve this goal or achieve this dream You know, and I want it, I want kids that don't even snowboard to look at my story and be inspired from that and be like, Oh, like this kid did what he did. So like I can, uh, be from Ohio and learn how to be a pro surfer, but I'm going to have to like do certain things to get out to California and Hawaii to learn how to surf, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the best example, but you know what I mean? Right.
0: No, I totally understand. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I was so, um, been so excited to have you on the show is. What we're talking about is character, not accomplishment. And I don't care to interview people or talk to someone who has these incredible accomplishments, but their character is um, lacking. Just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Character speaks more than accomplishment. We we value, I think as a society, we've come to value accomplishment more than character. We hear more about it. And I think that's one of the opportunities that this, this quarantine, this virus is, us, is offering us is to uh, value character more than accomplishment. And I think that you're the okay. opinion of that, that you essentially came up, grew up from, had nothing growing up, no opportunities, right? You, blue collar, you, you had to make it happen and um, to get what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And for sure, but not, fo- but your focus is on, inspiring other people to have things that opportunities that they normally wouldn't have. And uh, my, I, I grew up blue collar too, you know, like there were times when my family was dirt poor. I remember I, I had a pair of shoes that um, my grandma had mailed to me from Washington state that were pink, had pink, uh, hot pink on, it was the early nineties. And my mom mm-hmm. told me that they were boy shoes and they were just pink. Um, and I wore them to school and kids made fun of me um, because I had girl shoes. And I and I didn't yeah. realize this until a couple of years ago that they actually were girl shoes. I didn't realize how bad the situation really was that I had yeah. girl shoes when I was in kindergarten, first grade. And um, for sure, and I, and I certainly don't live a life of privilege or anything like that. Um, but mm-hmm. what I I have accomplished is because um, I went and got it. And, yeah. and in no way, shape, or form am I trying to brag about myself, saying I'm anything special. But we live in a country where these opportunities are available to everyone if we're willing to put in the work. And, yeah, and, totally. And just that you've put in the work too to be not only successful but excellent at, at mm-hmm. something that is intimidating to a lot of people and and viewed as impossible. And I think that that's just really outstanding.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, and I'd say like. You know, for me, it's not like I, I, I mean, I'd say I definitely did have opportunities growing up. They just weren't like, like, I just didn't have the same background as a lot of, as a lot of kids did that I'm competing with today. Um, I come from Telluride, which is an awesome ski town. So like I did have one of the best ski resorts ever to, to grow up at, but it didn't have a half and didn't have a world-class park. But it, what I did have is I did have a mountain that, forced me to be an adaptable snowboarder because we're riding on steep pitches and, uh, you know, super gnarly terrain. So I did have, you know, I didn't have everything that like a lot of kids do have in snowboarding these days to become a pro half pipe rider or a pro slope style rider. But what I did have is I did have parents that loved me, that only wanted me to do things that I was excited to do. I did have a super awesome mentor growing up, Jason, who kind of uh, made a lot of things happen for me and introduced me to the right people in snowboarding and I did have um, you know I had a uh, food on the table, I had clothes on my back, and I had a snowboard under my feet so yes i didn 't have a lot of the opportunities that I may have wished that I had growing up, but I did have the the basics and I think that 's a big reason why i 'm where I'm at now is I did appreciate what I did have rather than look what I at what I didn't have um and all I had to do is just think outside of the box and get creative in order to figure out how I'm gonna make that trip happen next month or how I'm gonna make it to this contest next year like it's just it's not like those things weren't um, offered to me or those opportunities weren't there for me. I just had to really dig deep and like think outside of the box and like get creative in order to make a lot of things happen. So, um, I just didn't want to make it sound like I grew up with nothing. Cause I did have.
0: Oh, no, you know, I'm great, not great either. You know, it, you
1: know, yeah, you're good.
0: I mean, I had food and I always had clothes, but I, I didn't have opportunities to go play baseball
1: or exactly
0: camps and basketball camps and stuff like that. We may do with what yeah. we should and it's the i think that these experiences that we have where we have to opportunities aren't presented to us in a way where they're um just given freely it, it that forges mm-hmm. our character that, that that's the ability to make things happen when initially it doesn't seem possible is an opportunity yeah. a, a, a situation that most people find themselves in in life unless you're of uh, come from crazy money right That you, if you want something, you have to make it happen.
1: Yeah, I agree totally. um, Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is I just want to prove to kids out there that have the same dream as me. Like, hey, just because so-and-so, you know, parents have millions of dollars and can send their kids to Mount Hood to train all summer doesn't mean you need that or it doesn't mean that like your whole life depends on, you know, having the same opportunities uh, as other kids do. All you got to do is um, pretty much double down on the stuff that you do have and get creative in order to make this opportunity happen or to get that resource. You know, that that's just all I had to do because I did get a lot of great opportunities growing up, but sometimes it would just be a little harder to make those opportunities all come together. Um, And like back to what you were saying earlier about like my motivation to like win a gold medal someday at the Olympics. I'd say the best way to explain my motivation is I think about how I want to be remembered in in snowboarding and how I want to be remembered in life. Um, For me, like I don't want to be remembered as like the snowboarder that just kind of took, took, took and like won the gold medal at the Olympics and then bounced and never gave back anything. I want to be. Looked at is like, oh yeah, Lucas was that rider that, you know, did great tr- or super sick stuff in the half pipe and filmed cool video parts and won a gold medal at the Olympics and the X Games. And he also got a ton of kids into snowboarding and uh, brought some style into his riding and made snowboarding a little more fun. Like, you know, that's an example of what I'd hope someday. That's like the goal is to be remembered as just a person that made snowboarding doper for the people that come after me, not the dude that made a couple million dollars and left.
0: No, you want to give back to the community that helped you and and expand that community, right? You want to create more opportunities for people. And that, that's, that's incredibly awesome, man. And that shows the humility that you have and, and uh, speaks volumes of your character. Uh, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about um, perfectionism and, and perfect. Um, why sometimes we think we have to have perfection, but um, so I think this, correct me if I'm wrong on the, on any of this information, but in the last Olympics, um, Sean White, who you are, work with and uh, have mutual friends with and stuff um, he really did something quite incredible. Um, after, so he had two failed runs and then at age 31 he executed a perfect 28, let me just read this. This was what my friend sent me. He said, hey, if you're talking to Lucas Foster, ask him about this. <laughs> so I'm going to read you what he sent me because it's, it's really good. He says, uh, I watched in amazement after two failed runs. 31-year-old Sean White executed a perfect 28 seconds of snowboarding, five jumps, five smooth landings, 15 and a half revolutions of airborne corks. He carved at the bottom of the half pipe and was awarded the score of 100. Only two perfect scores have ever been given, and Sean White has both of them. Uh, It it was somewhat controversial with many saying that the judges should not have given him a perfect score. If you were to ask Sean White, or you yourself, is there such thing as a perfect score? Or is there always room for improvement?
1: I'd say no, there's not room for, or like, no, no, there's always room for improvement. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that perfect scores... Should be a thing personally, but I totally remember that uh, that instance where he got the perfect one hundred. Um, that was that like the second to last Olympic qualifier at the for the last Olympics. It was in Snowmass, Colorado, and yeah, I mean he fell uh, the first two runs of the contest, um, and like pretty much switched up. From what I know, I think he switched his run up a bit like did a run that he's never done before but yeah it was like perfect it was the last run of the contest I'm trying to think um i don't know if he was the last person to drop or not i'm pretty sure he was though he qualified first so that means he's the last to drop that's where the perfect 100s usually happen is when it's the last rider of the whole event um and they lay down an amazing run they would never give you a perfect 100, like, halfway through the contest when there's more riders to drop. That that doesn't happen. But, like, I'd say in those cases, like, a lot of people, they do get all worked up over the perfect 100s. Personally, I don't care. I think they're, like, it's cool and stuff. Like, Sean White has gone a perfect 100, and Chloe Kim got a perfect 100 one time. And uh, it kind of just adds to, like, the – it adds to like the hype of the contest and stuff and like it makes for a cool story for sure. But I mean, yeah, at the time that was about as perfect as it gets for sure. There were runs that happened later in that year at the Olympics that were better than what Sean did to get a perfect 100. But at that time it was damn near perfect and there was no riders to drop after him. Like he won the contest already. Um, so yeah. See That that was
0: calling that perfect is, is overhyped. Um, or do you, do you think he earned that? I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm just trying to understand a little bit more about what where your mindset's on this is.
1: My if- mindset is there's literally never ever a time like like snowboarding is such an art form that like you can't really ever say anything's perfect because a lot of people have different ideas of what's looks cool in snowboarding. Some people hate Sean White's style, for example. So some people but some people love it. So some people think that was perfect, but some people will be like, "Oh no, that wasn't perfect. Like he could have tweaked this grab differently. He could have um landed that trick um a little more gracefully. Like it's such an opinionated sport that I I don't think that perfect scores really like um are a thing. It's not like gymnastics where there's like trick books with like, "Oh, this trick is a is this score." Um I guess if that makes sense, like, so you're saying, I don't think perfect score.
0: Perfection is uh, oh, perception or perf perfectionism is open to interpretation and is based on personal preference and your perception.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like style is such a big piece in snowboarding and everyone has a different taste and style. Like I said, some people hate Sean's style. Some people love it. Um, So some people have a different argument to pick, but um, I'd say those moments are cool, though, here and there, for sure. Like, perfect score every couple years, last run of the contest, amazing run, puts down a trick that you've never seen. Like, yeah, give it to him. Give him a 100. But um, I'd say if that happened too much, like if that happened a couple times a year, then it would be kind of like, you know, a bigger deal to some people. And I personally would be like, yeah, stop with the perfect one hundreds. like, uh, but I don't know. So that was cool. That was a cool moment.
0: It is really cool. I mean, certainly he is talented. I'll just say that <laughs> he's the best. Oh, yeah. That time he was the best. Right. And, um, totally. that was kind of the standard, uh, for everyone to beat, right. It was, was beat Sean White. And, uh, um, yeah. but Let's, let's talk about that and and how we into the outside of snowboarding. Do you think that it's the same, that there's no such thing as perfect in life in whether it's,
1: or
0: or parenting or your, your, your own talent, your own profession that you're in. Do you think that we are striving for perfection when we should be striving for something else or, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, of course there's certain professions I think that um, where perfection is very like real, like you know, being a doctor, you got to be perfect at performing surgery, or else you might kill the person. Um, so there's certain things where, but like as far as life goes, and just like living through your life, there's never ever such thing as perfect. I'd say, like life is very art, like, and I'd say anytime, anytime your artistic side of of your life is being like activated when you're doing something, there's no such thing as perfect because um, I don't know, like, like there's never a perfect piece of art, you know, like you can never paint a perfect picture. You can never, um, you can never like, I don't know, what, what, am, what am I trying to say with this? Yeah, like life is an art form and you can never paint a perfect picture ever. You can never draw a perfect um, you know, a piece of art. So there's always ways you can do things differently. There's always ways you can put a little twist on something. There's always ways to make a certain thing better in your life. Uh, I don't know that's a good question. That's a really good question.
0: So if we're striving for perfectionism, I should, I think a lot of us are probably doing that subconsciously. What mm-hmm. should we be striving for instead of perfection? If, if, cause perception, perfection, is open to interpretation and it's based on, yeah. then it's not really, I'd
1: say, I'd say strive for authenticity. I'd say that's like, that's when everything's perfect. If if you want to like bring the perfect word into it, like you're being perfect when you're just being yourself and being like as authentic as you can be. And like, I'd say the most beautiful things in this world are, um, always have imperfections and it's oftentimes the imperfections that make it so cool and so like memorable. Like there's people I know in snowboarding that totally hate certain people's riding because they're like, Oh, it looks like that person is about to die. Or it looks like that person, Oh, that, that person almost blew up in the flat bottom. Like, you know, people like their skateboarders, for example, like this guy named Pedro Barros from Brazil. He's like the, in my opinion, the sickest, most awesome skateboarder ever but he's super out of control sometimes and he'll land tricks super out of control, but that's what makes him Pedro Barros. That's his name. Um, like people will remember him for his style and his authenticity. He's not out there trying to be perfect and to land a trick. Perfect. He's out there skating the way that he skates and doesn't matter if he lands a trick. Perfect or not at all. And like, I'd say, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to just strive to be authentic. People will tell, people will totally be able to see if you're uh, working too hard to be perfect.
0: Yeah. I, and often, yeah. Authenticity. I like that. Just, just being who you are. Uh, you're perfect yeah. who you are.
1: Yeah. And oftentimes when you are trying to be too perfect, you look too robotic. Like, you know, like, I guess that's another way or another reason why snowboarding doesn't have perfection and why perfect scores, I guess, um, aren't necessarily a bigger thing in snowboarding is because like, you know, it's oftentimes the people that are a little sketchy or not doing things completely perfect that kind of put a cool twist to their riding and stuff. They're doing it different than the person that did it before them. They're doing it um, with a different grab or a different, with a different tweak or whatever. Um, some of the best snowboarders in the world are the ones that are doing things super, super sketchy, but the style looks cool. The the way they did it, I don't know. I'm kind of no, off on a tangent.
0: No, no, it's not a tangent because it, it, I think it's relevant because if we look at life, right? Let's, let's take what we just talked about and take it outside of snowboarding. And we look at people's... Mm-hmm look at the people who are successful in life maybe they're eccentric or maybe they seem a little bit odd. Um, or maybe someone's just, they're, but they're just being who they are. They're being authentic. Um, that, that's success. We can look at that as success. Instead of looking yeah. at success as money or things that you've accomplished or things that you've your area in your possession of. Um, but the way that you, the impact that you have on other people, we can look at their style. People, this their lifestyle, of, of how they carry themselves. Uh, I think there's beauty mm-hmm. in that, and that's open for interpretation too, as well. Just like we're talking about this, this perfect one hundred score, we can't yeah. score a perfect one hundred. Um, I, I, if a perfect one hundred is open for interpretation in snowboarding, then perfectionism uh, or achieving a perfect score in life is going to be open to interpretation as well. And we need to find the beauty. Yeah and recognize it just for what it is that, that that's incredible totally yeah totally i, I don't know, I, I i think we could do a whole episode just on that <laughs> that topic right yeah. there of perfectionism i
1: agree like i'm a good example for um for instance like for my halfpipe snowboarding since i didn't grow up riding halfpipe much i didn't have a lot of the fundamentals that i that a lot of riders have growing up so still to this day I'm still working out some some of my fundamentals and there are like when it comes to fundamentals in snowboarding there's definitely ways to like you could say that a certain there's a perfect way to do a toe side churn or a heel side churn that's up for debate but I think that that is true um for certain fundamentals in anything in life there's a right and a wrong way to do a certain fundamental um but for me like I'm lacking some fundamentals in my half pipe snowboarding. They're getting better and better each season. Um, But, you know, some people will like think that I'm super sketchy when I'm doing a certain trick in a half pipe run or something. And I may not do that trick perfectly, but, and some people might think that that's like super lame or super stupid, but a lot of people come up to me and like, Hey, I like your style. Like, I saw you do that double crippler and I thought you were about to land on the deck. You were like 20 feet out. and I thought you were going to blow up and die, but it was awesome. And you held it together. Like some people remember me and my snowboarding for the imperfections. So that's oftentimes when like striving for perfection is just stupid because you might be remembered for, um, doing something that just, you know, uh, got people on their toes and made people like, Whoa. And
0: just one time.
1: I mean, yeah sometimes that's worked in my favor like you like in my favor big time like I remember the first one of the first like really big pro contests I ever did um was the U.S. Open in 2019 and I did the trick I just said the double crippler like the highest out of the pipe I've ever done it and I did it kind of in a different way than most people do the trick it kind of had a different access on it and people were like whoa like that looked really weird but people after the contest were like, that was awesome. Like that was the craziest looking double crippler I've ever seen, but it was sick. Like that was, people were stoked on it. And I didn't do the trick perfect at all. I did it way different than a lot of people have seen it. But you know, a lot of people kind of remember me for that day. People remember that trick and uh, you know, so there's so many times where being not perfect is just like the best thing you could ever do.
0: Mm, I like that a lot. I really do. That that hits home. Okay, there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. That just being known for one moment of awesome, awesomeness isn't isn't a life that you want to live, right? But yeah, it's good to have those moments because then the people will remember you. Um, but yeah. to, be, to consistently do incredible things is should be the goal. Uh,
1: yeah. Not totally. sure.
0: Action all the time but just accepting ourselves for who we are being authentic with who we are um, and not mm. trying to change ourselves to fit the mold of what we think uh, other people want us to be or what we think we should be as well
1: exactly and that's that's kind of going on in snowboarding right now in half pipe or at least it's starting to go away now but like there's a lot of riders out there that kind of just like learn certain tricks because it does well in a contest or something. They're like, Oh, I need to learn back-to-back double corpse because Sean White did that to win gold in Vancouver in 2010. So I have to do that trick. So they learn it just like him and they kind of like just start mimicking other people. And they, they kind of lose their sense of style and their artistic side of themselves and their snowboarding. And like, they kind of look more like robots and like we're starting to see that kind of not be rewarded in contests because um we're at an age right now where like you know judges for example they're they're sick of seeing the same tricks over and over and they're getting more excited to see different things, people having their own style, doing their own grabs on certain tricks or just, you know, doing tricks that we don't see too often. Like we're starting to see the people that strive for perfection in half snowboarding um get less and less rewarded but yet there are still some riders that are like absolutely picture perfect, but it's all in their fundamentals. I think that's something we'll never lose is like the way that you prepare. There's perfection for preparation, I think, but there's never perfection in the way that you, um, the way that you piece together your character with your physical abilities and stuff. You know what I mean? Like we look at, um, for example, there's this guy in snowboarding right now named Scotty James, who's pretty much the new like unstoppable guy since Sean White left. Scotty does everything perfect. His fundamentals are perfect. His, the way that he takes off in the half pipe is perfect, but sometimes he will have a little like, like he'll do different grabs for example on certain double corks or certain tricks and he'll have a different selection of tricks Um, and some people might think like, oh, that's not a perfect half pipe run because he could have done an extra 360 right there, but no, he's choosing to, you know, pick his own, uh, he's picking his own tricks. He's picking his own way of doing certain things in his half pipe run. So like his fundamentals are perfect to everyone. You can't argue with that, but like, you know, he's being an artist in the way he does his tricks in the air and the selection, like there's so many examples, um, yeah,
0: uh, the uniqueness of, of of us as individual people is based on, um, I would say, it's it's based on the mistakes that we make and how we learn from them and how we recover from them.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, we, we talked about this this run that Sean White did, right? He scored a perfect one hundred. Um, we've talked a little bit about making adjustments to when things don't go the way they're supposed to um and when how we can be resilient in that manner what how have you in your snowboarding career um, how, how have you learned from your mistakes and how have they made you a a, a better athlete
1: um i mean i'd say you like your mistakes through your classroom um mm. And you never really lose. That's something that I've learned from mentors is, like, there's no such thing as losing. Like, you either win or you learn is a way you can look at it. So, like, for me, anytime I fall in a contest or anytime I don't – and that happened a lot this winter. I had, like, three contests in a row where I didn't complete a full run. And when you don't land your full run in snowboarding, your chances of doing well are shot 100% so like it's really common sense like if you don't land a trick you figure out what you did wrong and you make that correction and you just move on and that's like that's as simple as it is um but yeah like i've had a lot of mistakes in my riding i guess i've had a lot of or a lot of mistakes in my snowboarding and a lot of things that i could have done differently i guess but you just gotta remember it's about the journey not the destination and um You know, I can look back, like, this year at the X Games, for example. Like, that was a huge goal of mine to go to the X Games, and I finally did that, and I rode not that great there. I didn't land a single run, and that was really hard for me. Um, But even if I did land every run at X Games and placed well or whatever, um, I would, you know, be stoked about that for a few days. But then I'd be on to the next – thing and wanting to figure out all right what's next like what's the next mission what's the next thing that I want to accomplish um it doesn't really matter whether you're winning or losing like you're on a journey of becoming better and uh yeah i don't know like you're never really going to be content no matter your result at least for me like the moment i do well in a contest i'm excited i'm happy but boom what's the next thing whenever you do bad in a contest or whenever you make a mistake or you lose you know exactly what's next. It's easier to figure out what the next step is, in my opinion. It's hard to, you know, once you reach the top, then you're really looking around to figure out where to go. But once you're not at the top yet, you know exactly what's next. You know exactly where you're going. So,
0: mm, you know, that's great. It's great advice for life, I think, too.
1: Yeah. So it's that, helped a lot. I mean, losing all these, what's that?
0: sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. All, all these these things we're talking about uh are true for snowboarding as much as they are for life. Um, yeah. Where do you gonna totally. go now that you've achieved this piece of success? So and I know you're current, what are you currently ranked in the world right now? In I'm
1: um, 20th,
0: 20th. So 20th you're the 20th best snowboarder in the entire world. I should have put this into your introduction. I should have asked.
1: at least, I mean, in, in, in half pipe in halfpipe. and half. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, just, just in contests, I guess there's, there's so many amazing snowboarders out there. Like even guys there, there's a lot of snowboarders out there that uh, don't do contests that are just as amazing as the people that you guys see in X games and in the Olympics and stuff. Um, But yeah, I guess like after this winter based off of contest results, I'm 20th.
0: So let's talk about the journey that got you there. You said you didn't do well in the X games and that was kind of disappointing. Um, What, what did you do to get to prepare yourself to get to the next competition because I know you accomplished something that was quite remarkable to get to to be ranked number 20th. Can we talk a little bit about your preparation and then what happened at the next
1: event? Yeah. A big highlight of the season was before the X Games. That's like why I got invited to the X Games in the first place was the first three events of the season. I got 12th in the World Cup, which was like an okay result. It wasn't, like, like I, it wasn't my best performance, but I still placed okay. Um, and then I podiumed at the next contest, the Revolution Tour. Um, and then, like, those first three events of the season went well for me. But then after the X Games – well, actually, before the X Games, I had another bad contest. Like, the biggest World Cup of the season, arguably, was in Switzerland. Same thing happened. I just didn't land my runs. I was having trouble with a certain trick. X games didn't go well. The next contest didn't go well at all either. Like I had three in a row. That just my riding was like, okay, but the tricks weren't coming together and I was just having a hard time getting through that. And um, I guess the way I got through all that was I just like really figured out, like I just kind of would come home and like sit down and be like, all right, what is making me fall? What am I doing on these tricks? you know, what am I doing mentally to make myself not be able to put these tricks down? Because a lot of the time it was like a pressure situation where it's like, I could do these tricks in the contest, but the pressure is getting to me and I'm having a hard time putting it down whenever it counts for whatever reason. But, uh, I don't know, man, I just put my head down and just worked my butt off for like a week in California at Mammoth and just literally did all the tricks that I was falling on in contests over and over and over, whether I liked it or not. And uh, really just like, I don't know, just got back to having fun and snowboarding again too. Um, I don't know. There was a lot that went into it. But yeah. And then I went to the world cup in Canada, the final world cup of the year got eighth place there, which was my best result in a world cup and uh made the finals and everything at that event so that was good but yeah it was just a combination of like getting out of my head practicing tricks over and over that i was falling on and just uh staying present too
0: yeah i think staying present in the moment is key to success in anything in life you Mm -hmm. anytime we take a step back and say i don't want to deal with this i don't want to do this i'm going to check out um that's when we start to relapse in our progress and so, totally. when you were in Canada at this competition, uh, where where were you at ranked at? In the but going into that competition in in the world, had your had your rank changed?
1: Say that one more time.
0: When when you got to oh in Canada, or you got there after these three events, these contests that you didn't do well in. Uh, where were you currently ranked in the world?
1: I was like twenty fifth, so I wasn't like. Like I guess at the beginning of this past winter I was thirty fifth. Um, so like the results that I had before the X games were working towards my ranking. It is in for the world snowboard tour list that uh that we are ranked on, it isn't really based off of accumulative results, it's based off your three best results in the last year. So like the the X games and the World Cups that I didn't do well in that I was having trouble in, those didn't really like make me uh, in rankings or anything, but people did jump ahead of me. So, uh, but yeah, it was like 25th, I think, um, after or before Canada. And then I did well in Canada and jumped up to like 21st, I think. And then, and then some people dropped down. Um, so that's kind of where, why I'm in 20th now.
0: So that's a pretty big jump though, to jump five places. To, to
1: yeah
0: right so it's it's your best runs talk let's talk a little bit about your run what had to happen in your run to to get that that score that you got and what was the score you got to that jumped you uh, from 21st and then to 20th
1: well the score in Canada at the last contest you mean mm-hmm. um that actually so like I made the finals and everything I didn't actually score too well in the final. Um, I landed my last run, my third and final run, but I kind of put my hand down and hand-dragged on the last trick. And any time you put a hand down or, like, if your butt drags a little bit in your run in half-pipe, they deduct your, uh, from your score big time. So, like, I think my score was only, like, a 60. Um, but, like, in the qualifiers, there was, like, a 75. Um, I did the same run in qualifiers and qualified in seventh with a seventy five and then in finals I put my hand down. So it kind of scored low. So like who knows what I would have scored if I didn't put my hand down. It would have been a much higher score, but you know, there's it's not a big deal. Like you can speculate all day. You never really know. But uh the run at the time was the best run I've ever done. I did a front side ten eighty, cab seven twenty, front side nine hundred, back backside double core twelve sixty and uh actually no that wasn't the best run i've ever done but it was at the time it felt super good because i had fallen on that run every contest before so um,
0: so you were able to accomplish something you hadn't been able to do before And that's kind of the point that i'm trying yeah, to get at.
1: It pretty much but actually it was something even more special for me like i I had done that run before I had done all those tricks in my contest runs before. And then out of nowhere during X games, those tricks weren't coming together. And I was like, Oh, I'm losing tricks. I'm losing my mojo. I'm not riding like how I was riding in December. And then it all came back in Canada. So it was like, you know, I was had a great start to the season to a big screeching, like halt for a second where everything is just not working out. And then it all came back together in Canada. So it's more, I just like got through a really crappy place mentally. And that's what I was more proud of. I was more, I was like, oh, I can do those tricks all the time. I'm more proud that I just like didn't let my negative thinking get the best of me because you know,
0: Yeah. That it, it, it just shows your ability to adapt and overcome to these difficult situations and not allowing failure to define you.
1: Or, yeah, totally. And I'd say, yeah, for me, like, it's a lot harder to um, to get through failure and come out on top than it is to do a double cork 1260. Like, doing the tricks is the easy part, I'd say. The hard part is the mental piece, especially when you fall three contests in a row on tricks you know how to do. Then you really start like, oh, what's wrong with me? Like, I have something going on. And it's it tests you for sure.
0: So what advice do you have? Can you offer to someone who's not a professional snowboarder or even in and doesn't understand a single one of those words of the tricks? Cause I, I know what some of them are, but I, there's a lot of terminology there that people don't understand. But the point that i want to make is how can you take these principles that have led you to your success? What advice do you have to offer to someone who might be going through a mental, uh, S- halt, and if, experiencing a halt or a mental uh, difficulty or emotional difficulty in their life right now, that, that, how that relates to your, your achieving success in snowboarding.
1: Uh, I'd say just the adversity is what makes stories great in life. So anytime, like anytime you're going through something or anytime you have an obstacle or hurdle to jump, like that's a good thing. I'd say embrace the hell out of adversity because that's what I did. I kind of, um, you know, that's the only reason why I'm sitting here talking to you today. And, um, it's because I've gone through failures before and without those failures, people wouldn't want to know my story at all. So I'd say like, um, anytime you do have things working against you or hurdles to jump good, like that's where you're going to learn the most in life. That's where you're going to learn the most about yourself. That's where you're really going to be able to create yourself. And uh, those are the things that you'll be remembered for. And, you know, people, you know, like just like you and me right now, we're not talking about all the stuff that I've done in snowboarding necessarily. We're talking about a little bit of it, but we're more talking about, like, how do you get through failure? So I don't know. You got to fail in order to get opportunities like this where you're being asked to be on a podcast. It's a good thing to fail. It's a good thing to get defeated, you know? Like, that's where the best stories in the world all come from. Yeah. Some people that, you know, like, look at Sean White. Like, the gold medal he won in Korea, he took a terrible fall six months before that and busted his face open and, like, got – I mean, not just busted his face open, so much more than that. Like, he took the worst fall he's ever taken. And that's after Sean's had like, you know, 10 years of being the like most dominant undefeated half pipe snowboarder ever. And then boom, smacks his face on the half pipe wall. It takes a while to recover. you like, I mean, that's a whole other story, but like, you know, he went from the, one of the lowest lows in his career. I'm sure I can't speak for him, but from the stories I've heard, that was like the craziest thing that's ever happened to Sean. And then boom, wins a gold medal at the Olympics, third gold medal. You know, you, just like my coach JJ, who coached Sean and went through Sean's fall, like JJ got cut from Burton Snowboards, his sponsor at the time, before he got bronze a bronze medal at the Olympics in two thousand two, and that's like a big deal when your snowboard sponsor cuts you right before the Olympic year. You're like, oh my god, like you know that's your they're usually paying for your travel and stuff, and that's like a big a big loss for a snowboarder, so. I don't know. You look at all the best snowboarders that have done the great, greatest things. They've all had bad injuries or bad, uh, you know, things that they've gone through.
0: Yeah. Adversity and failure and mistakes are what define us. And it, it, our reaction to those are what define us. We can grow and become better or we, uh, will identify with those failures and yeah. when we take that on as us, like, as I failed at this, I suck. I'm, I'm terrible. Um, there is not much room for joy and happiness and, and peace and stillness in our life. We have to use these as opportunities to grow. It's exactly what society is going through right now. We're going through something um, that can, we get to determine how this defines us as a people and individually as well. So yeah. we're, we're, short, we're about out of time here. And I know we've gone over, uh, the this, this scheduled time. So I'm super appreciative of your, your time and your willingness to come on here and uh, share yourself with me and the audience. Uh, you're truly hey,
1: remarkable,
0: remarkable dude. Um, you're 21, right? 20. You're 20. Holy crap. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: This kid can't even drink alcohol and he's full of life wisdom, man. So <laughs> You're like Thanks, five and I'm like, I feel like you're more mature than I am. So man, it's, it's, it's incredible to get to speak with you and, uh, Okay. learn more about you thanks, and your, man. your journey and when you uh, when I see you in the Olympics when, whenever that is um, I'm going to be like man I know that dude I hope this and I, I, when you put that gold medal on man I'll be, I'll be I'll be yelling man I'm excited for you you got good things thanks going. man uh, so
1: appreciate it
0: well cool man I look forward to it thanks so much and uh,
1: absolutely thank you for having me
0: yeah you're welcome um, yeah if you need nice. If there's virus stuff or ever, let me know. I'll do what I can to help you. Um, I'm pretty resourceful. I'll find people to help other people in other states. I've done that before. So if you need it, let me know.
1: Yeah, man. You too.
0: All right, bro. We'll talk to you later.
1: Sounds good. Have a good one. You too.
0: Hey, guys. Be sure to follow the Metal Mentality Podcast on social media. And as always, if you find value in the show, please leave a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. But more importantly share this podcast with someone you know who would benefit from the messages from the guests on each episode. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Metal Mentality.